Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Hope that you're able to celebrate Maroon Friday with us. I know many of you are celebrating from home. Hope everybody is uh, adjusting to that. Looking forward to uh, your return to some sense of normalcy at some point. I don't know that anything will ever be what it was. I think there'll be a lot of differences. I think we'll be a lot more careful with how we interact with one another. But I don't like this whole feeling of how we all just kind of look at other people and see them as unclean. Maybe it's just me. I think we're going to lose a little something when it comes to civility with all of that. But that's, uh, you didn't tune in to hear that. There are plenty of other things that we can uh, be a little bit concerned about. I'm going to address some of those things today. We're going to talk men's and women's basketball today. Big news on both fronts. We'll, we'll, we'll share all of the uh, updates that we have on the women's basketball search. That is winding up. Should be taken care of this weekend, barring something completely unforeseen. Could happen today. There was a report last night. Ben Portnoy, our friend. I'm not being negative about Ben. I don't know who he talked to or what he learned, but he reported that we had agreed to terms with uh, and, and maybe I'm mischaracterizing the report, but he put out that that Nikki McRae Penson was set to be the new coach at Mississippi State. Now that may ultimately prove to be true, but at this point we have not agreed to terms with her. I do know that she is a preferred candidate, and we'll get into more detail about all of that. But uh, we're still kind of waiting this thing out. Had some contact with some Mississippi State officials this morning. They are optimistic that uh, that a deal should get done today with somebody. Who that remains to be uh, is uh, a matter of uh, some discussion. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, great partners. I want to remind you too, especially on a Friday night, mom doesn't want to cook, the kids want to have something cool. You can get that at Bulldog Burger Company. You can get the family special. You get four. Count them four Bulldog Burgers. That's the signature burger, the Bulldog. Four orders of fries and a gallon of sweet tea for $29.95. You can't beat it. The best deal in town. Please support those folks whenever you can. I tell you, we had Bulldog Burger earlier this week, and uh, they were pretty busy. You know, had multiple people in the parking lot waiting. I guess they had the same idea that we had. And so uh, they're open and ready to serve you. No in-house dining, of course. Two locations to serve you. Right here, the flagship on University Drive in Starkville. They're on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, a place for people in Starkville and Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. 
All right, so before we get to the women's basketball searching update, coaching search update, let's talk men's basketball here. We also have a uh, top 10 list for you, too. Today's top 10 list brought to you from uh, Twitter handle at GTownRob. I'm not exactly sure where Rob's from, what Rob does for a living. Just know that he loves Mississippi State. He's been a longtime listener of this show, longtime follower of me on Twitter. We've interacted a few times. This was his suggestion. So we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. But the first thing that I want to talk about is uh, men's basketball. As you guys are probably aware by now, Nick Weatherspoon has uh, elected to declare for the NBA draft. He uh, he does not plan to return. The information that we have, you know, there's always you, know, you can you know test the waters and get your draft feedback or whatever. My understanding is that uh, that is not his intention. That he does not plan to return to Mississippi State. So that would make him the third player, the third player off this year's roster to declare for the WNBA draft, the NBA draft, pardon me, uh, Reggie Perry, Robert Woodard II, and now Nick Weatherspoon. If you need a uh, maybe a seating chart, there would be plenty of room on there for you if you're looking ahead to men's basketball. Let's run some numbers here. Here are the players. You know, there's 13 scholarships. And Mississippi State will, will, will be short of scholarship this year due to the uh, sanctions from the Tudorgate scandal. So here are the players from last year's roster that are moving on. Some of those, not contributors. Some of those young players, they were under development. But nevertheless, their losses will be felt. There are nine players, I repeat, nine players from last year's roster, and, and there may be more. It could be a walk-on moving on, but at this point, maybe your best option to play is to stay here. Leaving the program, Nick Weatherspoon, Reggie Perry, Elias King, who recently announced he's transferred to Middle Tennessee State, Devin Butts, Robert Woodard II, Prince Oduru, former Siena transfer. He's transferring for the second time. Keyshawn Fazell, I think I saw he's going to McNeese State. I think that's right. Tyson Carter, who graduated, and then E.J. Datcher, who uh, essentially redshirted last year and will pursue a grad transfer opportunity somewhere. So it's nine players from the roster. You have four returning. And, of course, with uh, you know with Datcher not being on scholarship last year, that's you know she had eight scholarship guys leaving. As it stands today, the five scholarship players that are expected to return, DJ Stewart, Iverson Molinar, Abdul Adu, Quentin Post, Tulu Smith. And of course, he set out the one-year residency requirement after moving here from Western Kentucky. So when you begin to look at these numbers, it, it is very dramatic, the, the numbers from Mississippi State men's basketball, the losses. You know, you have transition years. I think calling the 2020-2021 uh, season a transition year would be uh, almost a level of disrespect to transition years. You want to talk about a rebuilding project. There, there is an issue here, and uh, I can't put my finger on it. I know that you know there are some people that say, well, you know, Steve, I don't know if you've been even-handed with basketball, and I didn't agree with your comments. Uh, listen. I want Mississippi State to win. I want Mississippi State to win big in all areas, in every sport, every time out. That's what I want. I know that's not always realistic, but we have a real, real task on our hands trying to sell men's basketball to Mississippi State fans right now. Fan support has not been strong the last several years. I really thought, you know, last year we, we had a better team and we probably should have had better fan support. We didn't. There are a lot of theories about all of that. But when you when you don't have a player to kind of build your marketing around for the next year, you know, who do you put on a media guide now for next year? I guess that's DJ Stewart and, and Iverson Molinar. You know, and maybe that guard combo, that's a – that's what you look at to market your team. 
And then some would say, well, you know, Steve, our, the quality of our team is going to depend on, you know, the transfers that we get. Let, let me let me wake you up to something here, okay? If you're depending on a transfer to make or break your program, you don't have much of a program. Simple as that. Well, the quality of our team will depend on who will they get to transfer in. So we so we have to take an outcast. A guy that's either a grad transfer, a guy that's been run off, whatever, to put a team on the floor next year. It's not a good look. It's not. Very, 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 very disappointing. Running the numbers down, Mississippi State will lose four of its top five scores from a year ago. Reggie Perry, 17.4 points a game, gone. Tyson Carter, 13.9 points a game, gone. DJ Stewart averaged a uh, – well, they've kind of got his numbers messed up here. DJ, they got him listed twice. But uh, So, yeah, the top four scorers are gone. Nick Letterspoon, Robert Woodard, Tyson Carter, Reggie Perry. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know who runs the uh, the hellstate.com account, but y'all got to get this, uh, this these statistics in order. We got DJ Stewart listed four times, four times on the stats, four times. And Robert Woodard listed twice. I don't know how that happens. But nevertheless, there's going to be a big drop off in scoring <laughs> based on the returning players. Then when you begin to look at, you know, some other uh, some other issues here, like let's look at rebounding. You know, th those are things you look at and you begin to think, okay, well, well who's going to pull the ball down? And um, I have read with great interest that people said, well, you know, we know what we have what to do, and we do. We, we get everything we can possibly get, you know, from him. But he kind of is what he is. I mean, he is a role player. He's not a guy you build a, you know, you build a, an offense around by any stretch of imagination. He's a good player. He's a blue-collar guy. He's going to give you everything he's got. You can't run any offense through him. He's just essentially a put-back guy. He's a backdoor cut guy. You know, he, he's a guy when the defense kind of collapses on, you know, whoever's driving to the basket, you can dump the ball down to him and he can lay it up and in. We believe DJ Stewart's going to be a star. I, I think he's one of the more athletic players on the roster. That's not saying a lot now. I'm not talking about the returning roster. I'm talking about what we had last year. But when you start pulling this uh, rebounding thing together, DJ Stewart looks to be your leading returning rebounder. Your two guard. I, I mean, I, I, I feel for the people in the ticket office that have to call and uh, try to sell you guys tickets this year. I don't know what to tell you. It's, uh, it's difficult, to say the least. And that was the thing, too. I think we all felt pretty good. So, you know what? Well, the starting five will probably be okay. we got to build some depth. And I think we thought, you know what? That's at least somewhat manageable because we don't really go that deep in the bench most of the time anyway. But now two of the five guys we expected to start have now declared for the draft. And there's always, always this revisionist history. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen. Did we? <laughs> Did we know that was going to happen? I don't think so. It was always a possibility. You know, and I had been told earlier in the year that Nick Weatherspoon would probably come out this year, even if it's just to go play overseas. You know, that he was he was pretty much done. And then the discussion in the postseason was, well, you know what? We think he's probably going to come back. But one of the things that I'll share with you, and I think you all see this, is that all of the news about men's basketball as of late has been negative. We need something good to happen. We need something to kind of rally around right here. There's enough doom and gloom in the world. And uh, listen, I read on the message boards. I saw a guy earlier. I mean, he said, you know, hey, guys, can we get some direction here? What is going on with our men's basketball program? And, and here's my answer. I absolutely don't know what's going on with our men's basketball program. I know that at times we played pretty well, and at times this year we were very disappointing. And then I think we we had the talent to be an NCAA tournament team. And to be to be honest with you, I don't know that we beat Florida on a neutral floor. I don't know. I don't know that I have enough confidence to say, oh, yeah, we'd have won. Well, we might have won, but we weren't going to get by Kentucky. And chances are we were going to be a one seed in the NIT. 
in many respects, the disappointment of all of that has been erased because of the cancellation of the postseason of NCAA basketball. And then rather than be able to hold it in place, now we've got, we knew Reggie Perry was leaving. We kind of trimmed some fat on the roster. And we had some players that came in that were, were going to be non-contributors. It's best for them and for us, for them to go for them to go find somewhere else to play where they can contribute. And so we're, we think, okay, we're clearing some room, and then we have all of this stuff happen. I don't know what to tell you. I can't give you uh, any code of conduct here. But there is not a lot to feel good about men's basketball right now. You know what? We, we may pick up a grad transfer. We may get somebody here or there. But that, that process is made more difficult by the fact that we, you know, we can't bring people to visit. You can't go visit them. You just kind of got to take our word for it. And so I wonder what's the quality of that, that player going to be. You know, a guy that, that, can, that will commit to you sight unseen, it's going to be a difficult task, to say the least. But there is not a lot about men's basketball that you can feel really good about. Now, Iverson Molinar, I think, will be a star. I really do. I think we all feel, feel that way. He'll be your starting point guard next year. Probably have to play about 38 minutes. You feel good about DJ Stewart. You know what Abdul Duke can do. But those are only three guys that you look at. Three guys that made any type of contribution this year to return. And if you remember at the beginning of the year, you know, Molinar started, so he's able to get, you know, to get acclimated a little bit. I think that's the guy you build your program around. But, uh, you know, based on our inability to retain players, I don't know what, what you look at long term. I think there's got to be a better solution here. But that's where things sit. On this Maroon Friday, there is not a lot of optimism about men's basketball. Even, even, those, even those diehards that have been like, it's, it's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. We've recruited well. We've got some other kids coming in. And, um, you know, we'll just have a youth movement next year, for the most part, for the depth piece. And that all makes some sense because I do believe, you know, we've got a couple of good guys that uh, that are committed. Granted, they're going to be freshmen. That's one of the things that, you know, basketball is a game. You know, older teams win, but there's a lot of talent in the high school ranks. And you've got a, guy, a lot of guys, too, that uh, – they get the benefit of the non-conference schedule to try to, you know, acclimate to the game a little bit. But we're in a complete rebuild at Mississippi State men's basketball. Complete rebuild. There's no question about it. All right, so uh, so let's go ahead and get into the top ten list because I want to spend. I'm going to get that done, and we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about uh, women's hoops. Let me remind you too, if you hadn't done so. Go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com, order yourself a copy of Flim Flam, or 10, and then order yourself a copy of Stark Villains. Currently working on the sequel to Stark Villains right now. Hope to have that out here for you in about, oh, five months or so. And uh, it's going to be a busy stretch, but we're going to get it all done. I'm excited to get these things together. Had some great interviews, but um, you can get caught up. I know many of you are kind of longing for some sports, and you can at least read about it. And read about some of the uh, great heroic tales and the rivalry against all myths and Stark Villains. StarkVillainsTheBook.com. That's an essential business. They never close. All right, so let's talk top 10. So uh, G-Town Rob sends in Steve, hey, what if you did the Spielberg movies? You know what? I'm all about that. I kind of grew up in the Spielberg era anyway. So let's talk top 10 list of uh, my top 10 Steven Spielberg films. I saw most of these in the theater, most of these. Number 10 on the list was a uh, movie that he worked with Clint Eastwood, Flags of Our Fathers. And that's one of the things I give Spielberg a lot of credit. I Traditionally, he does military movies correct. He really does them well. And this is one of them. And uh, so if you're looking for something cool to watch, this is one of those ones I think you look at. It, it, it kind of There's some patriotism involved and everything, but it's... Uh, it's one of those striking images too. I think Iwo Jima is on the uh, on the cover of all the promotional materials, and yeah, I've been to Iwo Jima, and it's one of those things that kind of gets next to you a little bit. Number nine, I love this movie. I have watched it several times, and it's one of the more recent Steven Spielberg films. It's The Post. And it is a story about the Washington Post when they first really became, you know, a serious player in journalism. 
all about the old uh, the Watergate papers. And um, they made a decision to go. They were right. It's an incredible behind-the-scenes look at all of that. I, I would encourage you to watch it. Very, very entertaining. I mean, absolutely star-studded cast. The Post, great movie. Number eight, a movie from uh, from my youth. Probably have seen this one 40 or 50 times. That's The Goonies. They always talk about doing a Goonies reunion. They haven't done it yet. I wish they would. Great fun. A lot of funny stuff that happens in that movie. It's a teen movie, but it's uh, it's a little more serious than some of those teeny bopper movies. But, uh, you know, the one-eyed Willy stuff. You know, it's just one of those things. You, you look back as a kid and you remember the, the great adventures you took with your friends and kind of is a reminiscent of all of that. We never had any adventures as glorious as this one, though. Number seven on the list, a movie much more serious, Schindler's List. I, I don't know that this movie's for everybody, though. There are some people, because of the the intensity of the whole thing and, and the, the serious nature of things, I don't know that I would encourage a lot of people to watch this movie. I, I think it's... Uh, it shows the, the the best and worst of the human condition in many respects, but I thought it was great. I thought I thought the uh, the cinema photography and the whole thing was was great. Number six, crazy movie for its time, and it was so ahead of its time when it comes to special effects and that sort of stuff. Was Jurassic Park? It would nowadays kids take all this stuff for granted. That was like the first real movie that we ever saw where the dinosaurs looked real, when they weren't cartoons. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it looked real. It's a great movie. It's a great franchise. Kids love it. Number five, I could have gone higher with this one. I really could have. Saving Private Ryan. The first 18 to 20 minutes of that movie, that war scene, you know, when they're storming the beaches of Normandy, it is so incredibly intense. And I have had veterans of World War II that have said, that's the most realistic war scene I've ever seen in a movie. It just takes your breath away, and it's such a great film. It's it's a, it's a great premise, you know, for a movie, you know. And uh, I don't think anybody was expecting Matt Damon to be in the movie, but he was. We go check that one out. That's uh, if you hadn't seen it, that's an absolute American classic. Number four on my list, and again, this is my list. Your list may may differ. Your list would be wrong. Is Poltergeist. And I, I mentioned it the other day on the the horror movies thing. It's so well directed. There's so much unexpected stuff that happens in that movie. It's just so over the top good. It made us all, when we were kids, and and you kids today are so spoiled because, you know, when I was a kid, you know, TV went off the air around 10:30, right after the 10:30 news. They'd play the national anthem and show the flag, and then there wouldn't be any programming mean, on until uh, the farm report would come on around 5 a.m. You couldn't stay up late and watch stuff when I was a kid. We didn't have VCRs. You just sat around and looked at each other. Went to bed. That's a, I think that's the main reason Americans don't get sleep today. It's because there's so much TV watch in the evenings. We didn't get a chance to enjoy TV. But when you had that black and white, the fuzzy screen, I mean, you know, because of Poltergeist, we turned the TV off. We were a little bit cautious. Love that movie. You will too. Number three. And I could have picked any of these, but I went with the first one because I'm not big on the sequel stuff. But Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's such a great franchise all the way through. So many great scenes. And uh, it's one of those things, too, where Indy was such an interesting character. He had the big adventures. He got the girl. He always beat the bad guys. He always found a way to escape. And, and one year at Disney World, I got to be part of that Raiders of the Lost Ark exhibit. You know what I'm talking about when you go to, you go to the show, the Raiders of the Lost Ark show, the, the stunt spectacular, and they pick volunteers out of the crowd? I got to be the guy that had the big laugh. You know, you know they, they have you laugh, and then they, 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 they pipe in the uh, evil laugh. Well, that was me. I got to do that. I've lived a pretty charmed life. Raiders of the Lost Ark. You'll love it. I've got the uh, the trilogy on DVD. Not that we watch DVDs anymore. Number two on the list is E.T. This is a movie that really kind of captured America's heart. 
it was one of those things where you know we had this technology and stuff, and that was really kind of on the eve of things really going wild, or we were kind of becoming, you know, mature as a research nation. And uh, in the middle of all that were these kids, you know, and, and uh, when I was a kid, all you ever heard about was UFOs and that sort of stuff, and we had Skylab and and, and go Google that kids, and we had to deal with all that stuff. When we were kids, you know, we grew up uh, every single day thinking about the Cold War and thinking the Russians were going to nuke us. We grew up with that. It was always that going on. But E.T. was one of those movies that um, it kind of removed all that. It kind of reminded us who we are. And there's a lot of parallels. That, uh, even today, you look at the movie E.T. and you realize that a lot of times kids have it right. A lot of times the kids have it right. You know, somebody comes in, it's different from us or whatever, and everybody wants to make a big deal about it. But... Uh, you know, Elliot and E.T. just loved each other. It's a great movie. Very heartwarming. But number one, I don't know how you could pick another Steven Spielberg movie other than Jaws to be number one. I have watched this. Any time that I'm up late at night and it comes on, I watch it. It's so great. Uh, it's so well cast. And uh, there's not any... There's not a single scene in that movie that you look at and say, you know what, I would have redone this, or this didn't make any sense to me. Even despite the fact that a lot of the special effects were pretty rudimentary back in those days, they pulled together a very realistic-looking movie and a realistic-looking shark that made us all scared to go in the water. You know, I remember being a kid going to the beach, and you think, I'm not going far out there. There may be jaws. And, you know, you're, you're talking two and three feet of water. You're not even talking waist-high water, and you're scared to get out there. But Jaws, the movie Jaws, challenged a lot of the social conventions when it came to, to beach stuff. It certainly taught us all to have a real respect for the sea. You know what I'm saying? It's like... You know, we live in this uh, this bubble. We think nothing bad will ever happen to us. And then we have movies like that that think, you know what, it could happen to you. But that's a top ten list. If you have a suggestion for a top ten list, hit me up. My DMs are always open. Hit me up on social media, on all forms. And uh, I will do the ones that I think are interesting. Every so often somebody sends me one. And, and either I don't have uh, enough knowledge to speak intelligently on a topic, or it just doesn't turn the crank. So... That's the top 10 Steven Spielberg movies. We'll probably get do a music category on Monday. Might change it up a little bit and kind of give you guys a, a different side of things. I tell you, we have an interesting discussion right now going on the Gene Spade football forum right now in between all the football talk, right? Is uh, our guy, Old Grump, he's a big rock guy like me. And so when somebody had asked about, you know, like your favorite 80s bands, and so... Mine are all, uh, mine are all, all of the bands that I loved in the 80s were Hairspray. And then in addition to that, there's a thread about your favorite instrumentals. And uh, I had not thought about that in a long time, but I'm going to give you a recommendation today. You know, my list was like YYZ and Eruption from Van Halen and Frankenstein from Edgar Winter. Love the uh, Steve Vai and Joe Cetriani stuff. But I'll tell you, one of my favorite, favorite rock instrumentals of all time it's a song called Tears of Sahara by Tony McAlpine. Tremendous guitar player, tremendous tone. Go check it out. You'll be glad you did. Again, it's a rock instrumental. I want to remind you guys, too, our friends at Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show, they're still doing business. You can find them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by using promo code BSR, you can save... All shipping on orders over 50 bucks. BSR, of course, stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. I kind of got out of order there, kind of confused myself. I'm sorry. But again, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Use that code and save on shipping over all orders over 50 bucks if I can ever get it out. Stan the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew, they'll, they'll take care of you. They love you. They're eager to serve you. When this madness ends, you need to go by and see them. Anything that you need to outfit your home, your RV, your pet, your family, whatever, you can find right there at campusbookmart.net. And mom, dad, I'm going to tell you, on behalf of your kids, we've been good. We're doing the best we can. And so if you're looking to reward us for being good students and not acting up in the homeschool examinations, and we've tried to keep the house clean, if you want to reward us a little bit, 
Maybe you'll order some Mississippi State jersey. How about that? All right, so let's get into the women's search. I know many people are, are, are interested in that, to say the least. And that's really a tribute to the job that Vic Schaefer's done, that there is so much interest in the job. So a lot happened yesterday. You know, there was some reports early on that, hey, Jeff Wall's not really interested in the job. That's all fiction and fantasy. That's untrue. There were several discussions between Mississippi State officials and Louisville head coach Jeff Walls, and there is no question that he is open to some other opportunities. However, State and Walls could not come to terms on the deal. He withdrew his name for consideration and announced last night that he planned to stay at Louisville. Then the focus shifted to Nikki McRae Penson. And so then we began to think, okay, well, it makes sense now because we have had under pretty good authority that the final three were going to be Walls, McCray Pinson, and Johnny Harris, longtime Mississippi State assistant coach Johnny Harris. That was, that was the understanding. No certain pecking order, but you know, I feel like Jeff Walls, with his resume, and all he's accomplished as a head coach in major college basketball. I mean, that, that's the home run. Okay, let's just be honest. That's the home run. If you can go get that guy, then, then all of a sudden you remain a national player and it really shakes things up, and it's an interesting flex for Mississippi State sports to be able to go out there and say, you know what, we went and took a Final Four coach away from a team that uh, you know, that we've beaten you know, in the Final Four. Not only did we beat you and in your dream with Asia Durr of winning an Apple championship, uh, we went and took your coach. Our coach left. We went and take yours. And that, that's, that's an interesting, interesting development if you can make it happen. But barring something totally unforeseen, that's over. Okay, that's behind us. Unless Jeff Walls just wakes up today and says, you know what, guys, let's go ahead and get this thing done. All right, that's not going to happen. So we moved to this uh, Nikki McRae uh, Pinson, who very, very, very well thought of coach. I was informed this morning that when Coach Sharon Fanning was here, that she tried to hire Nikki Pinson at the time to be an assistant coach here at Mississippi State. And she, in turn, elected to, uh, to take a job, a higher-paying job, at South Carolina with Dawn Staley. So there is some history between Mississippi State and Nikki McRae-Penson, in, in, in addition to her playing days in Tennessee. But as I said in the show earlier this week, she played in this league. She's recruited in this league. She's competed and coached in this league. She understands the SEC. Mississippi State could do a lot worse than her. And so as the, the evening kind of wore on, we're thinking it's just a matter of time before this thing gets done. Well, I keep checking in with sources, and they're like, you know, we're still working. We're still trying to get things settled, still trying to get it all done. There is no deal just yet. And so uh, the reports begin to fly, and then everybody kind of aggregates the same report. And that's, that's one of the things that happens now in journalism, and I, well, I'll have more about to say about that later is that everybody kind of just references the report rather than get an independent confirmation themselves. Robbie Falk and I, and this is Robbie's baby. Okay, I have done my best to support him. Robbie is our women's basketball writer over on jeanspage.com. Does a great job for us. Went out and covered some road games this year. Really committed himself to women's basketball. There's nobody on the beat that covers women's basketball at Mississippi State like Robbie Falk does. The most thorough, dedicated reporter on the beat for women's basketball without question. Nobody will argue that. And so this is Robbie's story to write. And so Robbie and I spoke last night when all this stuff is going around and everybody's saying, TV's saying that's going to be going to be her. And you know what? It, ultimately, it might be her. But as of now, it's not her. As of now, this thing is not done. And so I said, Robbie, it's your call. What do you think? What does your gut tell you right now, based on everything that you've learned, everything that you and I have discussed, what do you think? And Robbie says, I think we should hold it. I said, I'll tell you what, I agree with you, but I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to call Mike Nemeth. We're very fortunate to have Mike Nemeth as a resource to us. I mean, Mike, of course, worked for Mississippi State forever and a day. He is a veteran of several coaching searches. He has seen these things from all angles. And so I said, Mike, let's talk it through here. There's everybody else in the media is all referencing the same report. I don't know that we have it. I don't think this is true, at least not yet. I believe it could ultimately end up being that. But we're not there yet. And, and our source on this is impeccable and is unflappable when it comes to this. There's, no, there's nothing done yet. 
So we like to hold the story. Then we wake up this morning to find that uh, the two parties basically hit a stalemate last night. Then And negotiations are ongoing. It's a process. It is very much a process. But we're not there yet. And so now, you know, as we get into the afternoon on Friday afternoon, you know, that hopefully this thing gets done today. If not, I was prepared that it could go into tomorrow. It could be tomorrow before we get things finalized. And they may not be finalized with Nikki McRae-Penson. She is someone that has a tremendous pedigree in coaching and playing, has, has coached or played with or for some of the biggest names in women's college basketball history. Pat Summit, the icon of the game, and Don Staley, arguably the best coach in the game today. And so clearly Nikki has been around greatness and has been a part of greatness. Her, she herself has been great as a player on the college and professional level. And that's one of the things, too, about the WNBA that I don't think a lot of people understand. It's very, very difficult to stay in the league. Once you get in, it's difficult to stay in because there's always a fresh crop of younger, faster, more talented players that are coming in. And so there's not a lot of guaranteed roster spots. And so the fact that she could stay in the league for 10 years says a lot about her toughness, about her talent, her basketball acumen. And so that's an interesting aside to her is that she, she was able to stay in there when it's very difficult to do so. And then she gets out and gets right into coaching. So basketball has been her life. She is known as a dogged recruiter. She's somebody that, that we have brushed up against over the years uh, on in recruiting circles. She's done a good job at ODU. She's turned that program around in two years. Year two, a 13-game improvement from eight wins to 21. Year one, year two. Now, granted, this job at Mississippi State's in a much different position. And so I don't want to go into this whole Joe Moorhead, Dan Mullen thing again. But whoever gets this job is not coming in here to build anything. This program's already built. This program is already a national power. Your quest now is just to maintain and maybe hopefully get us that final step. And there's some expectations with that. You know, you can't come in here and win 17, 18 games. It's not going to work. Now, what happens if we don't come to terms with her? And, and that's one of the things, too, that I want to make sure people fully understand. We're not necessarily talking somebody else into taking a job. We're not begging somebody to come coach Mississippi State. I think some of our fans sometimes, they think, oh, we're just so fortunate to have somebody. These people are fortunate to have this opportunity at Mississippi State. And it's not just about the check. It's about the family. It's about the fan support. It's about the commitment from the administration to put a competitive product on the floor night in, night out. This is a special place. You heard Vic Schaefer say it over and over and over again. This is special. You heard Don Staley say it the night that we beat South Carolina in Humphrey Coliseum. She said, you know, the big winner tonight is women's college basketball. That atmosphere on ESPN, it was a great ball game. We want to have more great ball games like that. We want to have the hump packed out. And so that's, that's the standard now. And so one of the, per the people that probably knows that standard the best is Johnny Harris. Now, I know there's some reports yesterday that came out and said that the search was down to just two candidates. I'm, I'm told that that's incorrect. I'm told that Johnny Harris remains a candidate. She, her candidacy has never been in question. She was one of the first people that interviewed for the job, and I understand that she had a great plan for Mississippi State. She has seen it up close for eight years watching Vic Schaefer. You know, the, the concern for me is the on-the-floor coaching. And, and it's not because I don't think she's capable of it. It's because we simply don't know. Can she be a disciplinarian? Yes. Can she be a mother to these ladies when they need it? Yes. Is she somebody they can run over? No. Is she a great recruiter? Absolutely. Can she do the floor coaching? That remains to be seen. Because, you know, when we're down four with a minute to go in, in Knoxville, you know, Vic Schaefer's always the one that grabs that board and says, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, Johnny hadn't had that experience yet. And so that's, the, that's to me, that's the rub. And at the beginning, you ask yourself, okay, ordinarily we would not take a first-time head coach. However, but when we have somebody that has a work and knowledge of our program, our roster, and understands the expectations and pressures of the job, well, then that makes her a very interesting candidate. 
there will be a name or two that will pop up here late, you know, because there are other people that are trying to get their clients' names associated with our job. There'll be some things that pop up, and there'll be other candidates that will come in. They'll, they'll say, hey, well, since Walls is out of this thing, because I knew I didn't have a shot with Walls, but maybe if Walls is out of contention, maybe I can get my agent to call and get me an interview, you know, because we can video conference over the, you know, right now. That's one thing where I think John Cohen and them kind of have an advantage. You know, you probably learn a little bit about all this, too. You probably, in the future, don't have to travel quite as much for coaching searches. You know what I'm saying? Because you can have a discreet conversation online without anybody being the wiser. Doesn't show up in any phone records or anything like that. You just, you know, you log into your, you know, to your WebEx or to your uh, Zoom account. And you talk discreetly and you talk privately and nobody ever knows. But there will be some other people that will pop up. I don't know if they're viable candidates right now. I, I don't think it gets past Johnny Harris. What I mean by that is I believe Johnny Harris wants this job, and I've been told Big Schaefer is like, I want what Johnny wants. Now, I think deep down he really wants Johnny in Texas because they're a great team together, Big and Johnny together. But if she's going to have an opportunity to coach a Power 5 program, how could anybody begrudge her that opportunity? I think there's also some stability that comes with hiring Johnny Harris. I think she, because of the fact she helped recruit all these players, she knows the families, she can get on the phone immediately, have a conference call with everybody, and says, okay, team, here we go. So if you're worried about that, if you're worried about transfers, if you're worried about a bunch of attrition, you're worried about players in a transfer portal, you can mitigate a lot of that and probably remove the possibility for most of that by hiring Johnny Harris. You know, I suspect Jeff Walls could have kept a team together, too. I don't know. You know. Nikki probably has some relationship with some of the players. But if you want to pretty much ensure you know, roster retention, Johnny's the way to go. And, of course, there is the whole unknown about on the floor coaching, as, as I mentioned. But Johnny has a tremendous amount of fan support from the, the very beginning. I mean, and we have so many great fans of women's basketball on those Facebook groups. And as soon as we put out that, that Vic's gone, I, I would say 95% of them are like, let's go get Johnny. Let's go give it to Johnny. Johnny has paid her dues and put in the time. We know Johnny. Johnny knows us. This will be a seamless transition. I don't know that I agree with that it'll be a seamless transition, but I know that she has a tremendous amount of fan support, and I also understand that, that your administration is well aware of that. But I began to think to myself, did, who in the world would have ever thought 10 years ago that we would spend this much time talking about a coaching search? We would spend, invest so much effort trying to get inside information about the coaching search. You know, you, back in those days, we'd just say, hey, just let me know when we make a hire. Instead, we have so many people that have such strong and passionate opinions about who we should hire. And they're not going to have their minds changed. You know, like this is who we have to go get because their emotional investment is tremendous. And so they're bought into women's basketball. And because they are, it puts a lot of pressure, and rightfully so, on John Cohen and Mark Keenum to continue to put a championship caliber program on the floor. So you got to go find the coach that does that. You know, one of the things that uh, John Cohen has told me before is whenever he gets ready to begin these coaching searches, he always kind of reminds himself, always kind of reminds himself. So he's even written it in his, in his notebook. He's got like a little, you know, coaching search, you know, protocol, a book that he uses. And he says the one thing that he wrote in big letters is always get the best person for Mississippi State. There's a lot of aggravation that goes into these searches. I mean, there's contract negotiation. Things get contentious. Sometimes you can't come to agreements on things. There are other people that come in and drive up the price. But at the end of the day, it's about getting the right person for Mississippi State. And that should always be our focus, no matter what it costs, no matter how inconvenient it is, no matter if it's a popular choice or not. You go get the best person for Mississippi State, and everything else kind of comes in line. You, you go back and look at Big Schaefer. You know, Big Schaefer kind of reinvented himself at Texas A&M. You know, Sam Houston State, I mean, they weren't great. But Vic Schaefer goes to A&M, and, and he was the right guy. Scott Strickland made the right decision. Without a doubt, the best hire of the Scott Strickland era. Without question. Vic was the right guy. Chris Lamonis in baseball, Chris was the right guy. 
you know, I, I submit to you, now that I've known both of them for a little while and watched how they handle things, you know, Chris was probably the right guy, a, a better fit for us than Andy was. You know, Andy was the fast track guy. Andy was the guy that was a great talent evaluator, a great recruiter. He was relentless, and he, you know, he, he had the whole attitude, swing hard because you just might hit it. You know, he wanted to go out there and hit power numbers. And I don't know that Brent Rooker wins a triple crown without Andy. I really don't. Brent always had the talent, but I think Andy gave him that last little bump that he needed to become one of the most dominant hitters in SEC history. And so you go out and you get Andy, things don't work out. And I think, again, when you go back and look at that, I, I think I think when you look at us, when you look at who we are, Andy might have been a little bit abrasive for us. You go get Lamonis, it's a much different deal. It's a much different deal. It's a better fit. But I submit to you, and I have so many people that say, you know, well, you know, our first baseball hire was a bad hire. I, I completely disagree. I completely disagree. And I think that's a very short-sighted and lazy commentary for people to say, oh, we blew it on that hire. Andy Canizzaro was one of the, the rising names in college baseball circles. He was the hottest assistant coach in the country, known as one of the most relentless recruiters in the country, and then recruited many pieces of your current program that's taken you to Omaha a couple of years, right? And so, not to mention, we get the Super Regionals and go play LSU, a veteran team down there. We, we should have won those ball games. <laughs> we, had, we had a chance. We just couldn't, the bullpen couldn't hold it because our, our injury situation in the, in the bullpen and in the pitching staff finally caught up with us. But he was a great hire. It's nobody else's fault other than his own that his personal failings cost him the opportunity at Mississippi State. And he's the big loser in this thing. He's the one that lost the opportunity to champion a great program like Mississippi State. Chris Lamonis comes in, and I think Chris, Chris is probably here. I submit Chris is probably here the, the rest of my life or pretty close to it. I think Chris is a generational coach. And uh, as long as uh, – you know, he, he stays healthy. I think Chris is with us, you know, 15, 20 years. I, I, you know, I hope to live longer than that, but at least my writing career, I don't know how much longer I've got in me when it comes to that. But I think Chris is a guy that will be here. I don't think you're going to be hiring another baseball coach for a long time. Let's just say that. And so this hire, because of the fact there is so much fan interest in it and there is so much emotional investment in it, has become a bigger hire. Because we have seen what's possible here at Mississippi State, at a place that was had such an anemic women's basketball tradition. And we see what Vic does, comes in, builds slowly but surely, and then we're a national power. And we don't want to give that up. That's the thing, is we've had it. We thought we're so close to winning a national championship. We were a layup away from winning a national championship. We're a, a missed call against Morgan William from winning a national championship. And so now that we've been so close, we think, okay, we, we, we have to maintain. John, Mark, Bo, Leah, everybody, we've got to maintain that. And that's the, that's the chore for the athletic department. And so you know what? We've been that close because you could say, look, economically, women's college basketball is not a good, you know, it's fiscally irresponsible at times to go out here and chase and pay somebody two, two and a half million dollars when you're losing money. And so that kind of flies in the face. Football plays, pays the freight on a lot of this. And so, but our fans were like, you know what? We're so close. We're so close. We're so close. Do whatever you have to do. And once we've won one, you know, maybe we can relax a little bit. But we have been so close. We have been to the mountaintop and we have seen the promised land. But we came up just short of being able to enter in. And it would be unfortunate if that's as close as we ever got. And that's why I think you, you take your time and you do a good job with all of this and you work through it. Now, we could have, uh, we could have something. Uh, we could have something today, if not tomorrow. I don't think it lingers in the next week. But I believe we're going to have a new women's basketball coach, and I believe our fans are, are going to come out because they love women's basketball. Mississippi State, we found out that we were a sleeping giant, right, when it came to women's hoops. 
Who would have ever thought that would happen? And so trust the administration, you know, give them an opportunity to go out here and make the hire. And it's amazing, too. There were so many people that had no clue who Nikki mccray Pinson was a week ago. And now people are on bated breath just waiting for us to give an update thinking, oh, we got to get her as our coach. Because they've done the research and they realize that we've got some really good candidates for this job. So we'll see what happens. Looking forward to this, this whole thing kind of getting behind us. But it's, again, if it takes a day or two, it takes as long as it takes. It takes what it takes. And that's the thing, too. People say, well, you know, these the searches are always have these twists and turns. Hey, that's part of their hiring process. If you went out there and hired the first person you interviewed, chances are you're the luckiest person that ever lived or the dumbest hiring uh, practice of all time. You go through and you see what your options are, and then you make a decision. And people forget. We just found out you know, a few days ago that Vic Schaefer was going to Texas. And so we're less than a week. So if we can wrap this thing up in less than a week, get a contract signed, go from the Vic Schaefer era to a new one, then we've done pretty well. We did the same thing in football a couple times. Down long leads, we hired John Moorhead that we didn't get the on-the-field responses that we expected. But then we get through that era, and then we get Mike Leach. We get Mike Leach, one of the most innovative offensive minds in the history of the game. So let's just be patient. Be patient. Let things play out. Everybody in the Mississippi State Administration understands how important women's basketball is to all of you. So we'll have updates. Please check in with us over at Gene's page. Robbie and I are about to be working on this through the weekend. We've already got several things planned post-hire, you know, some coverage and things like that. Uh, but we look to get this done sooner rather than later. And like all of you, we're just kind of waiting on the word. Well, that's going to do it for today. Hope that you guys stay well, stay healthy, stay safe. Take care of each other. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Don't kiss any strangers. And until next time. Let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.